Afro Tales Podcast is a part of the Connected Podcast Network. Ahoy, my friends. Welcome aboard the Afro Tales Podcast. I'm your storyteller, Aman Mazinga. Join me as we explore the tales that grew from the people of indigenous and African descent in the Americas and the Caribbean. After, come and see me, chef, who will impart upon you a recipe for the story you have just heard. So with no further ado, let us set sail on this new age of exploration. The Master Thief There was a wealthy man who had three sons. He paid for the education and they were good students. After they had finished their schooling, he asked them what trade they wanted to follow. Papa, I want to be a lawyer, said the first one. That's fine, my son, said the father. So the boy packed his bags and the father sent him to law school. Papa, I want to be a tailor, said the second. That's fine, my son, the father said. And the boy packed his bags, and the father apprenticed him to a master tailor. Papa, I would like to be a thief, said the third son. I I don't think I heard you correctly, my son. Oh, you heard correctly, Papa. I want to study to be a master thief. How can this be? I spend my money to educate you and deprive myself and all you want is to steal? Do, why, why don't you choose something useful like your other two brothers? But Papa, one can only work according to one's abilities. Please, Papa, apprentice me with the shoemaker, the boss shoemaker in the village who is known for his tricks. So the father took his son to the boss shoemaker. Teach him what you can, he said. The shoemaker was rather surprised that the son of such a wealthy man wanted to work for him. But he soon saw that the boy was earnest. In a very short time, the boy became adept in explaining to the customers. Not ready yet. Oh, come back tomorrow. Did I say Friday? I meant the following Friday. Really, you must be patient. Many of the customers became so tired of waiting for their old shoes to be repaired that they bought new ones. So the shoemaker sold the old ones and by this and other tricks, he made a tidy profit. But one evening, the shoemaker and his student were sitting by the public road and the shoemaker was cooking rice. It seemed that his customers had been unusually patient lately so he was unable to buy meat 
they were forced to eat dry rice without any sauce. We never ate like this at home, the boy said. We had meat at both lunch and dinner, and bananas and potatoes as well. In my profession, one must show patience when one's customers are patient, the shoemaker replied. Even so, the boy said. Then they noticed a peasant in the distance, leading his goat toward them on his way to market. You see that goat, the boy said. We are eating goat tonight. But how? Give me one of your better boots and go hide in the bushes. The boy took the boot and laid it in the road so the peasant would be sure to see it as he passed. The peasant walked by with his goat, noticed the boot, but did not stop. The boy then snatched up the boot, raced through the bushes and laid it in the road in front of the peasant. As the man approached the boot, he slowed down. A while back, I saw one boot, he said to himself. This makes two. If I had them both, I would have a pair. <laughs> so the man tied his goat to a mapo tree and went back for the first boot. Why he did not take his goat and the boot with him, I don't know. Well, the boy quickly untied the goat and led him to the boss shoemaker. They feasted on goat meat for several days and the boss was pleased. A week later, they happened to be sitting in the same place by the public road and saw the same peasant walking toward them, leading another goat. We shall eat goat again, said the boy. But how? You don't think you can fool the same man twice, do you? Wait and see. The boy rushed ahead of the peasant and waited for him in the brushes of the mapo tree. As the peasant approached, he began to bray. Bleh, bleh, bleh. The peasant stopped to listen. The boy brayed louder to excite him. Bleh, 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 bleh. That must be the goat I lost calling me, the man said. He tried, no, okay. He tied his goat to the mapo tree and started into the bushes. The boy continued braying for a time, leading the man further and further from the road. Then he doubled back, untied the goat and quickly led him to the boss shoemaker. When the man could not find his goat and came back to the road and found the other goat was gone, he said, it's the tree. There's a spirit in this tree and is making my goats invisible. You are doing very well. The boss said to the boy, I think you will be getting your diploma soon. That is good. I'm ready to begin working seriously. The following week, the shoemaker said, Here's, here is one goat. Take 
into the market and buy me beans, rice, spices, and we are. If you can buy all of that with one gourd, I'll give you your diploma. The boy paid 15 centims for beans, rice, and spices. He had five centims left to buy we are, but he didn't know what we are was. He asked at all the stalls, but no one had any we are. I will tell him that there is no we are at the market this week, he thought, and with five centums, he bought himself some candy. Near the gate of the shoemaker's house was a shattuck tree. As the boy passed by it, he remembered how hot and peppery the pits of its fruit were. So he picked one fruit, opened it, and put the pits in his pocket. Then he went around to the back and handed the boss shoemaker the groceries. But as he did so, he acted startled. Oh, oh, he said, you look terrible. Are you sick? Quick, put out your tongue. Without thinking, the boss opened his mouth and the boy threw the pits onto his boss's tongue. We the boss shouted. Now that I have given you all you asked, the boy said, and I would like my diploma. With pleasure, the boss answered. I am afraid to work under the same roof with you. You are too skillful for me. With his diploma in hand, the boy walked home. He was proud of his diploma, but wise enough to know that his parents might not be glad to see either him or his diploma. His father owned a very large estate with land that stretched for kilometers. On the edge of his father's land, the boy built himself a rough shack. Then he began to work seriously. After working steadily for many months, he had enough money to build a beautiful house. One day, the father was walking on his property and saw a house larger and more beautiful than his own. He had wondered who dared to build on his land, and he knocked on the door. Papa, the young man said, come in. He welcomed his father and showed him his house, his new furniture, his paintings, his rugs, and his sacks filled with gold and silver coins. Why haven't you been to see us? The father asked. I've been working very seriously. I was not certain if you would approve of my kind of work. Work is good, answered the father. Only I am surprised that you who have so much seem to have forgotten us. Oh no, the son said, and he offered his father a sack filled with money. The father accepted it and soon left. Several days later, the father returned and his son offered him another sack of money. When the father came for a third visit and the son handed him still another sack, he paused. Tell me, how is it that you give me so much money and yet your supply seems to remain the same? You have as many sacks today as you had on my first visit. I work 
steadily, Papa. I practice my profession conscientiously. Your profession interests me. Do you think I'm too old to learn? In my profession, it is not age but skill that counts. Well, well, if you like, come by my house this evening in the dark suit and bring an empty sack and you'll see. The two men walked that evening to the village. We are going here, the son said, stopping before a bank. When they were inside, the son said, Stand by the door, Papa, and don't move. Don't move and don't touch anything. I'm going to fill up our bags. While the father was standing there, he noticed something on the wall they interested in. He put out his hand and touched it, but it was live electricity. Yo! He fell to the floor dead. The son ran over to his father, but the father was quite dead. He tried to pick him up. The body was big and heavy. What am I going to do? The son thought. If I leave him here, He'll be found, and they'll come to question Mama and me. If I try to take him home, I'll be caught. The master thief took out his knife and cut off his father's head. He put it in one of the sacks and went to see his mother. When the bank was open the next day, the body was found. And just as the master thief had presupposed, the police took the body and began to make inquiry in the neighborhood. The young man did not leave his mother's side. Who has lost someone? Who has lost someone? The police chanted as they came up the road toward the mother's house. The son ran to his mother and put a sharp knife and a stick of sugar cane in her hand. Pill sugar cane, he told her. Then the police entered with his father's body and the mother cried, Oh! The master thief pushed his mother's hand against the knife. Mama, oh, mama, look, you have cut yourself with the knife and are bleeding. Oh! The mother fainted. Oh, mama! He said, bending over her and slapping her face. Then he turned to the police and explained, She's so sensitive. Just one drop of blood and she faints. She's always been this way. We have to be so careful. And the police, not wanting to bother with such a family, turned and left the house, chanting, Who's lost someone? Who's lost someone? So it was that the master thief saved the family's honor. Sometime later, he buried the head, and no one ever found out the identity of the decapitated corpse. The end.
Wow. Another awesome story from the magic orange tree by Diane Wolkstein. I love this book. It has awesome stories, awesome folk tales. Um, I'll just put most of the stories that I got from this book in the uh, show notes so you can listen to the other stories that I got from the book so far. There's going to be a lot more to come from this book, okay? Real quick, though. Where was mom in the beginning of the story, and why didn't she talk her child out of becoming a thief? And why did dad say, it's cool. You know what? You've done your research. Fine. You want to be a thief? Fine. Go ahead and do it. Um, Dad, no. No. Bad things can happen. And at the story, you see bad things happen. And then, Dad, Dad, why did you think that because your son was good at being a thief, that you were going to be good at being a thief? No. You, that don't... Just because you you got another son that's good at being a lawyer and another son that's, that's, that's a tailor. Why you ain't trying to be that? You want to earn a quick dollar and look at you. It got you killed. So I'm going to tell you right now. Afro Tales cast. Afro Tales podcast. Afro Tales. However you want to say the name of this show. And Amon Mazingo. Do not in any way condone or support reports criminal behavior period point blank that's it that's my stance on it all right now what i support is this and i encourage all people to get street intelligence common sense okay learn how to operate in the streets and in almost any situation because in certain situations you're not gonna you're just not unless you got special forces training but if you have the ability to go out and learn, hopefully from afar, and not through experience per se, but if you can learn how to handle yourself in different situations, you will go far in this world. And I think that that's the biggest part of this story. The dad thought he had the sense. The son even thought the dad had the sense. And the dad wound up getting himself killed. The son learned how to conduct himself in a particular environment. And he got so cocky that he thought he could just take his dad out there and teach him real quick. And it hurt him. He lost a father because of it. The shoemaker, I believe, saw this in the son. Saw this in his protege and realized, yeah, he's too much for me. And that's why he told him he doesn't want to work with him underneath the same roof in the same building. Because this guy goes above and beyond. He goes far and past what it means to be just a common swindler, a con man. A, a, a simple thief in their community this kid is going to go further than what I am ready to take it and he did right he did and him going too far got his father killed let's just be honest but there's 
so many different ways you can take this story and any folk story. This one comes from Haiti. But there's other ones just like it from other places. And we're going to find some. Trust me, we will come across another thief story. What I'm going to do for you in the show notes, I'm going to put all the stories I have so far from this book in the show notes. So you can hear the other stories that are coming from Haiti. And I hope you love it. I appreciate you coming on this journey with me as always. I appreciate you taking the time out and listening to me read these stories and do what I'm doing now with an analysis of how I took the story. Go see Chef. He has a wonderful recipe coming out of Haiti. I don't know what it is this week, but he'll have it for you. And until we meet again, Be careful out there. And as always, have a blessed day. Welcome, my friends, to the cabin. I am your chef, Chef. And today, I have a wonderful recipe, inspired by the story you have just heard. Today, we will be creating confiture pour chadi, or grapefruit marmalade. Now, what do you need for this recipe? 10 large grapefruits, half a teaspoon of anise extract, half a teaspoon of vanilla extract, half a teaspoon of almond extract, half ginger root grated, and half teaspoon of salt, eight cinnamon sticks, six cups of sugar and water as needed. Now, how do we put this together? Easy. First, using a knife, peel thinly the outer layer of the grapefruit. Be careful not to cut into the meat, leaving the white membrane intact as much as possible. You will need this. After peeling, cut the grapefruits in half over a bowl and strainer. Squeeze the grapefruit and remove all the pulp. Using your fingers, pick the edges of the skin and remove the core of the grapefruit, leaving it with an empty shell. Repeat this step with each grapefruit. Combine the grapefruit shells in a pot filled with water. Let boil over high heat for 20 to 30 minutes. Keep uncovered. Remove from it. Drain and rinse under cold water. Squeeze the excess water off. Repeat this step four to five times to remove the bitterness. Add the cooked shells back into a fresh pot of water. Add the cinnamon sticks, the sugar, 
ginger, and a dash of salt. Let it cook uncovered over high heat for approximately one hour. Bring it to a roiling boil. Stir constantly. Okay. Reduce the heat. Remove the softened cooked shells and place into a mixing bowl. Put aside the pot of water. Mash the shells into clumps. Add the clumps back into the pot of water. Let cook for 30 to 45 minutes. Add the anise, the vanilla, and almond extract. Stir constantly. Then turn off the heat. Let it cool down and serve with bread. And that is it, my friend. Now, go. Do what you do. Make this recipe yours. And until I have another wonderful recipe for you, remember the story of the Master Thief. And until next time, my friends, as always, enjoy! Thank you, my friends, for coming on this voyage. Thanks to Art by Chalet for the logo, episode, and shirt designs. You can get t-shirts and other items on tpublic.com. You can contact me on all socials at AfroTalesCast. That's Afro, T-A-L-E-S, cast. And email me at AfroTalesCast at gmail.com. You may also become a benefactor by simply sharing with any and everyone giving a thumbs up, a five-star rating and review in your podcast app of choice, or simply donating on Patreon or coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com. So until we meet again, may your wins be fair and your seas follow.